I am Jeff Luther and the host of your new favorite podcast, The Inspector Alliance. This is where we'll peel back the curtain and get behind successful service industry businesses to see just what makes them tick. We're going to focus around the home inspection business. That's what I've built. I've owned it for a little over 20 years now. But we'll also include other service businesses that might parallel ours so we can learn more. And the more we know, the better off we are, right? All right, we're back here with another great episode of the Inspector Alliance. Um, we've got our health insurance renewals coming up pretty soon, which kind of triggered another episode, something else that I think is important to business owners. I think it's important to employees, and uh, I think it's important as as a whole for potential employees, the job market in general, and, uh, and businesses on both sides. Um, it's benefits, what we can provide as small business owners. And that was one of my, our, our core purpose at some point in the past was uh, creating better careers with fewer resources. I always wanted to be competitive with the large corporations in my business and figuring out how I could do that. Um, that was one of my drivers, one of my, one of my, uh, I guess my purpose, my cause, my passion, how do I create these really great careers or really great career opportunities rather, um, and do so without leveraging, without having the, the ability to leverage a, a large group, like some of these larger corporations do and I've managed to do that over the years, but providing benefits is a great way to keep the brightest and the best, right? That's, that's kind of the, the premise. Um, a great way to attract the brightest and the best. So I'm going to look at some of the ways that that you can keep people motivated. But I also think that it's important to view this from the employer's perspective too. What do I get out of it? We have this misconception that it's altruistic and that this is only to the benefit of the employee, but that's just not true. Companies are operating for profit. You know, we are a for profit company. Small, most small businesses are. And I hope it isn't lost on employees out there, folks that are listening that are employees, um, that this is only for the employee and that business owners generally do reap some of the benefits for the for providing benefits. Um, play on words there. But there are benefits to the employer in these, and I'd like to point those out as well as I go through them. Um, one, of, one of the things that we provide that seems to be a big attractor is PTO or paid time off. And people ask about that, and it could be that the, the demographic um, in the jobs that we hire for more often, that's one of the things that are important. Um, but as a business owner, do you want to provide vacation? And as an employer, is that something, or I'm sorry, as an employee, is that something that's important to you? Uh, we do it by means of PTO, but, you know, of course, you have sick days, personal time, sick leave, vacation, it, however you want to call it all kind of boils down to the same. It's always been lost on me that we call it different things. And what I learned in putting this together is in some instances, like let's say California, for example, I think that sick time and vacation time are different because vacation time or PTO has to be paid when the employee leaves the company. So they may say, okay, we have um, two weeks of PTO and two weeks of sick time, sick time, or one week of PTO, one week of sick time, whatever that number is. I'm maybe not even given PTO. I, I don't know. That's going to vary state to state. I know for us in Georgia and in South Carolina, there's no, there's no mandate or requirement. 
Um, but if I'm an employee, I'm just going to call it what it is and say I'm taking time, whatever that might be, sick time, vacation time, whatever, whatever it is. I'm just going to say, hey, I'm taking sick time. Now, most people are, are not all people operate that way. Um, some people just aren't wired that way and they may say, well, you know, I'm not going to get paid because I'm sick and I've got, I'm out of sick time and I have to take sick leave and they just won't get paid. But it seems to me, we just put it all in the same bucket, so to speak, just because an employee doesn't work for a week because they have the flu, doesn't make them less valuable than they don't work for a week because they went on vacation. Quite the opposite. Actually, I think the more vacation you take, um, the more you're willing to kind of lean in and, and be better charged for your job. Um, so I don't like the idea of an employee being required to give a reason why they're taking time off. If they need to take personal time, then you're taking pay time off. If you, if you're sick, then you're taking pay time off. If you have to go to, I don't, I don't know. Um, you have to go to traffic court or you have to go to, to, take a week off for, for mental health or personal health or whatever that is, you're just taking time off. So that's why I always wanted it as PTO. If they're sick, it's PTO. If they're on vacation, it's PTO. If they want to go on a job interview, it's PTO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not aware of the tax advantage or accrual regulations on, on, and I suggest you check with maybe your accountant, maybe your HR department, um, respectively for your state laws or regulations. There's nothing in Georgia or in South Carolina South Carolina, like I said, about a requirement for any type of accrual, accrual, holy cow, accrual regulations or having to turn that over. Ours does not roll over year over year. Um, so um, some of the benefits to the employer, speaking of not rolling over, taking time off is more organized. Right. They have a bank of, of PTO, a bank of days for their PTO um, as it's getting towards the end of the year or end of their fiscal year. However, you want to look at that. However, you know, ours is a year basis based on the date of employment, date of hire. So it becomes a little more predictable. Right. We know that if uh, someone doesn't have any days left and they still have three months until it's time for their for their renewal of their PTO, then we can kind of count on them to be here and not be taking that time off. Our business is seasonal. So we do have blackout dates for using PTO, which is a benefit to us. Our, our business is seasonal, seasonal. So in our spring and summer months, we're really, really busy. And I think there are two months out of the year, maybe three weeks out of the year where we have uh, blackout dates on PTO. I think we have some gray out dates too, where only a certain number of employees can take it much, much like the accounting world, you know, as they come on to tax season, they ask that folks don't take time off. Um, but being an entrepreneur, this all helps in looking for patterns, right? That's what we look for and try to predict the future, try to try to minimize our risk. And I think that's one of the things that uh, separates entrepreneurs is their risk tolerance is really high. So we try to look for ways to mitigate or minimize our risk. And we're always looking for patterns. So being able to some degree have patterns associated with when employees will be taking time off is very helpful. Um, but I think that that's critical offering time off. It's kind of um, not necessarily a give back, but it is a, it is a payout on earnings. And I know that 
no employer will ever pay an employee what they're worth because if they paid them what they're worth, there's nothing left over for the company, right? What they're worth is actually what they bring in. The marketplace tells us that our inspectors are worth the fee that we get for the inspection. Now, I would argue that our inspectors are worth much more because we have the best in the business. Um, but our inspectors are worth that fee that comes in. And if I pay them or if the company pays them what they're worth, then there's nothing left over to operate the business. And the market tells us that's what they're worth because people are willing to pay that. Um, so we find other ways, what I call soft costs, to help offset not paying them what they're worth. And vacation time, PTO, sick leave, whatever you want to call it, that is a way to offset their, that cost. Um, health insurance, that's another thing that we offer our folks, all the folks in our company, all the inspectors, admin, office staff, uh, officers, um, with already high and rising cost of healthcare, this is a big one. And this is something that people look for. It's a big question in the interview process as well. We used to pay 100% of the premiums for all of our employees, or we offered to pay 100% of the premium for all of our employees. Um, and uh, then one year we had an increase. It was a little over 32%. I think that was in 2000 and I think it was 2000 and, 2012, maybe. I don't remember when it was. Uh, but it was when we were allowed to, to sell insurance over state lines or across state lines. And that um, removed the cap on premiums. They went up 32%. We realized it was unaffordable for us at that point. So we had a decision to make. Georgia is going to increase 20% this year in 2023 on their health insurance premiums. Um, so we had to figure out something to do. We had a decision to make. Once you give it, it becomes very hard to take it away. One, it's, it's hard on your conscience, right? As the business owner, we've been providing health insurance all these years and now we're going to take it away. So we really couldn't do that, but we had to choose to what we what we ended up doing is choosing to pay just a flat dollar amount. Uh, so for us, we pay X dollars a month towards the premium for for individual and then we pay X dollars a month plus for the premium individual plus spouse, which is something that we were required to do. Um, and, and going down that road, you know, you have folks that say, well, look, I'm not going to participate in health insurance plan. Can you give me that on a monthly premium? We can't do that as business owners. We can't do that. Then we're obligated if they decide to come back onto the health insurance plan there, we're obligated to, uh, to pay, to put them on the health insurance plan. And we can't, cut their salary for that. So a whole separate topic, but that is a consideration as well for folks out there that are considering paying uh, health insurance premiums for their employees. Um, this is a com competitive advantage for us in multiple areas. Um, we, we pay that flat dollar amount, so it controls our costs, right? We know what our costs are going to be year after year after year that as that premium fluctuate goes up or goes down then uh, the the employee carries that portion of the burden or that unknown. Now, of course, if it gets excessive, then we'll have to make some adjustments. Um, but the employees are more selective in their plans. When we had when we were paying 100 percent of the premium, of course, they took the they took the best plan. Why wouldn't they? And it, and at the time it was it was not cost prohibitive. But as that premium continued to go up, it became cost prohibitive, obviously, like I already talked about. 
um, we keep the best and the brightest, right? We retain the best and the brightest, and we also attract the best and the brightest by offering that health care. Um, so that's important, but really it keeps the best and the brightest healthy. That's critical too. having that health insurance. They're going to the doctor that are getting their prescriptions filled, all the things they need to do to stay healthy. So that helps us. We need healthy folks to go out and continue to provide our service every day. Um, and it keeps it, it, uh, keeps everybody from worrying about the unknown. And this goes back to way back when, I think it was 2008 or 2009, when I put all of our inspectors on salary, they stopped worrying about what job was next. They stopped worrying about what the fee was that we associated with that job. They stopped worrying about if there was an upcharge on crawl spaces, how far they had to drive, how much time it was going to take. But it takes a little bit of worry off of the employee. And there is something to be said for that. When you can minimize as much as the employee has to worry about in their, in their personal life, they can focus more on their professional life. Um, and if you can take things off of their plate that are keeping them up at night, then you get more focus, more benefit for the job at hand and what they're doing. And it works well for both. It works well for them. It works well for their families and it works well for the company. And most importantly, the folks that the company provides a service to. Um, retirement plans. This is a this is a great way to incentivize employees, but my experience is it's really only a carrot after the folks are invested. Once they start seeing that that uh, dollar amount increase or that volume build in their savings account, then it becomes an incentive to keep them and it becomes an incentive. They now they start realizing how much they can actually save, how much they can put away. Um, and I'll tell you that because only 57% of the folks that work in our organization are, are participating in, participating in uh, actively investing in our retirement account. You're going to keep those that are active in investing. You will attract some higher caliber employees, right? The brightest and the best, we'll have to call them. But some folks choose to invest in other ways. You know, you still get the brightest and the, and the best that might not participate in that account or that, that uh, retirement account but they invest in other ways out in the open marketplace. So it's in my experience, it's not a good measurement of the brightest and the best, so to speak. And to me, it's found money. We match up to 4%. So for us, we match 3% dollar for dollar. We match dollar for dollar on the first 3% of an employee's salary. Then we match 50 cents on the dollar for 4% and 5% for their salary. So it's up to 4% of their salary that we're contributing. So it's really a 4% raise. And every time there's a, a pay increase, they get that, that 4% as well. Um, I like to participate in this myself. So that's a benefit to me as the business owner. This is something that I can do. I can invest tax-free. And if I'm going to provide it to myself, it makes sense to me to provide it to, to the folks in our organization. Um, but again, you don't, there's no real, I mean, for lack of a better term, there's no real hook um, because the, the folks that are already investing are the folks that are apt to stay. Um, and it doesn't really attract necessarily the brightest and the best because a lot of folks choose to invest in other ways for their retirement vehicle. Or maybe they're all in in a, a spouse or a partner's retirement as well. Um, so for the employer, it's mostly a feel good. And then a lot of times the employer gets that tax benefit on their own. So you might have the employer that gets the tax benefit. You might have the employer's spouse that also takes advantage of that tax benefit. So there's about an 8% uh, 
increase in, in pay right there uh, because the the employer or the business owner and their spouse or their partner are participating in the in the savings or in the retirement. Um, another thing that we do is we provide company vehicles. So you think about a home inspection business, uh, inspectors are driving all over town all day, every day. This is a huge burden off of the employee. The wear and tear on the vehicle alone is, uh, is big. Um, the way that it, there's advantages to the inspection company is sometimes inspectors refuse jobs just based on distance, not necessarily the time, but the wear and tear on their vehicle. So they limit their geographic region. For us, we provide all the, we provide the vehicle, obviously all the maintenance, um, all of the, all the upkeep, any, any of the work that needs to be done on the vehicle, the fuel, all of those things. So it limits the worry for the employees. It limits the frustration. Um, the benefit to the employer, the benefit to me is, um, I mean, it's control, right? Um, I don't have to worry about dead batteries. I don't have to worry about, oh, you know, my timing belt went out. I didn't, I didn't have the money to replace or I didn't have the time to replace it or whatever that is. These are our company assets. So we're trying to make sure that we keep these vehicles up to date, in good shape, properly maintained for the benefit of the company, but also for the benefit of the employee. So we have a system where we have a spare vehicle. Uh, when maintenance comes up, then that the, that spare vehicle is delivered to the employee. They can take send their vehicle off to the shop, get the work done. But that is huge. It, it's an expense, of course, but it's also an investment of the company because it's something that the inspector doesn't have to worry about when they're out doing that daily grind, getting their vehicle taken care of, how far they're going to drive, how much wear and tear it is. Don't want to drive that far. I should upcharge for fuel, all of those things. And then the company actually takes that burden on and your vehicles, the, the vehicle appearance, you don't have junky cars out there driving around. You know, the, the vehicle appearance is reflective of a superior company, which is what we are superior company delivering a superior product. In most instances, we have some, some folks that still all but refuse to wash their cars. Um, but by and large, the vehicles are in really good shape. And, you know, in the list, there's so many things that companies can do to, to provide benefits to, to their employees. These are some of the bigger ones and some of the, and quite frankly, some of the ones that uh, are more cost prohibitive for smaller organizations. Health insurance, I think, is a is a really big one, and that's current market. It is cost prohibitive, but that doesn't eliminate you from being part of a group and having a group plan and allowing the employees to pay into that plan. That's difficult because a lot of times you're not going to know what that what that premium is going to be until you establish the group. And a lot of times your employees are not willing to commit to being part of that group until they know what the premium is going to be. So it's like uh, chicken or the egg kind of scenario. But some other things you can do, provide company uniforms. That's something that we do. We provide all of our all of our company shirts. We have an allowance for pants and then we can kind of dictate what type of pants need to be worn out on the inspection. We do have an allowance for shoes. Um, same thing adheres there where we, you know, we provide the allowance for shoes, but we kind of want to dictate what type of shoes so that we're keeping up with the appearance. Um, we're consultants and we want to have that appearance when we go out and, and do a service, not the construction worker appearance. Um, we provide tools, we provide all the equipment, all the computers, phones, insurance, licensing. And the way that I explain it to, 
to candidates or potential employees is that everything you would need to run a successful home inspection business, we provide that for you here. What we expect in return is for you to do a better inspection than anyone would expect you to. So that's kind of the idea. All the thing, all the worry, all the all the stress that comes with owning a business, we try to take that burden off of the inspector. And in exchange, we expect them to do a really fantastic job. And that's why we've got where we are. Um, licensing, software licensing, all their certifications, um, ongoing education, continuing education, any new certification or new skills that they want. I mean, you know, provided that it is a benefit to the company. Of course, I don't want to pay for an inspector to get their certification to do eyebrow waxing. I don't think that's much of a benefit to the company. And I know that it seems like a lot, but let's kind of flip the script on that. This is probably my favorite thing that our company does in terms of paying for new certification or paying for new education or a new service or a new skill that, that an employee wants to wants to obtain. And that's in, that's company wide. It doesn't apply only to inspectors. But you know, you think about like the the admin or secretary scenario, and this is you know, probably dating me. Um, but if you have a secretary or an admin that currently types thirty words a minute, and they come to you and say, "Hey, I'd really like to learn how to type 50. Well, now they can type faster, right? They can enter data faster. So doesn't it make sense that that I as a employer or as an organization would see to it to get them to go from 30 to 50. Um, and the idea, and I think I've said this before, but the idea is to make, not to make, but the idea is to develop that employee where they're more valuable out in the open job market than they were when they showed up at your organization, because you get to enjoy that ride all the way up, right? If they go from typing 30 to 50 words a minute, their goal is 50. And maybe ultimately one day they want to be a, a court reporter. I don't stenographer, I think. Um, then all the way up, when they go from 30 words a minute to 32 words a minute, the company benefits. When they go from 32 to 36, the company benefits. When they go from 36 to 40, the company benefits. And then we're going when they're going from 40 to 50, the company gets to enjoy that ride all the way up. There is a benefit there. Yeah, it's an exchange and you're making them better. And yeah, their intent may be to go to go out into the open market and, and get what they believe to be a better job. But oftentimes when you're putting that investment into that employee, you end up keeping them anyway. There's really they learn there's no better place to work. Um, so I wanted to go through some of the some of the benefits that we offer, give some ideas of some of the benefits that folks out there can offer. I know a guy, there's a guy that owns a home inspection company, I think in um, Dallas or Houston, the guy that I met at uh, Ashy Inspection World this past year, they provide house cleaning to all their employees, which I think is a phenomenal idea. And, and I understand the, the idea behind it is, uh, you know, what you provide to yourself, you have to provide as the organization. That's how the IRS looks at it as a tax write-off. So they're doing that as part of the, um, part of the compensation to the employees. They get to use it on their own, but that's a great idea. Man, your, your partner would never want you to leave that company, right? If you were getting the house cleaned twice a, or uh, twice a month, uh, and your company was paying for it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about scheduling. All you had to do is give them uh, give them open date and time. Um, so I think that's a great idea. There are so many different ways that we can provide benefits to the folks that really build what we own. 
and these are just a few of them here. So I hope this has been helpful. And more importantly, I wanted to share, look, it's a benefit to the employer or to the organization also. It seems altruistic, but it's not necessarily the case. Um, and it works out like a win-win scenario for both. It works out well for the employer, works out well for the employee. And uh, hopefully we'll all be more cognizant of that and we can keep finding great ways to incentivize the folks to help our business. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll very much look forward to seeing you next time. Mm -hmm.